Hey there, I'm Colin Weston, host of the Mod Golf Podcast. We wrapped up our 12 episode season four a couple of weeks ago and have taken a short break to develop our next batch of season five goodness. We're proud of the past dozen episodes that we created and even more proud to announce that we met our goal to have at least half of our stories come from the perspective of female entrepreneurs and influencers. We also hit the road last season more than the other three combined, from National Golf Day in Washington, D.C. to the Special Olympics USA Games golf event in Seattle. We covered the vast spectrum of golf industry innovation, including a Women's Golf Day event right here in my backyard in Vancouver and the PGA Show in Las Vegas. If you haven't found the time yet to listen to all 12 of our Season 4 episodes, here's a recap of the moving, inspirational, and sometimes humorous conversations I had with our engaging guests over the past three months. Hopefully, this will inspire you to listen to a couple of the episodes that you can find at www.mod.golf on our episodes page. We kicked off Season 4 by traveling to Washington, D.C. for the 11th Annual National Golf Day, which is staged by We Are Golf to raise awareness on Capitol Hill of the significant impact the golf industry has on the economy. I spent three days participating, observing, and gathering stories from a wide range of participants, but I started off speaking with World Golf Foundation CEO Steve Mona, who graciously invited me to attend. We just announced today at the National Press Club the latest economic impact report for golf in the United States, and it's $84.1 billion, which is a record high. In addition to that, almost 2 million Americans either make their living directly or indirectly from the game of golf. And to give you some context, golf is a larger industry in the United States than the spectator sports industry and the performing arts industry, among others. So it's got some size and scope to it. The three days that I spent in Washington, D.C. for the National Golf Day experience allowed me to meet some amazing people with some incredible stories who turned out to be season four guests. Not only did I have a chance to learn about the real impact that golf has on the economy, and one of these people that I met was Gianna Rojas, who is the founder of Adaptive Golfers. Gianna is known as the one-handed lady golfer because she was born without a left hand. She has not let this stop her, and as Gianna has taken what some people may think is a disadvantage, and has transformed it into her unique superpower that allows her to passionately advocate for golfers of all abilities. I reached out to Reed Expo, who runs the PGA Merchandise Show down in Orlando. I asked him, I said, well, would you consider having a resource section so that all these amazing resources are in one place instead of having it stuck in the middle somewhere and something really grabs your eye, you're going to walk right past them. They weren't walking past us at the show because what we did was we had a simulator that was donated. And I reached out to the troops and I said, hey, anybody who wants to get involved in this, you need to be at the PGA show so that we have a good showing this year. And we probably had 35 adaptive athletes that all have every kind of challenge you could possibly think of. We had amputees. We had several palsy, spinal injuries. We had just about every possible concept of what someone would consider a disability. And we all just were banging balls. We just kept hitting balls the whole three days. And what that did was it stopped people dead in their tracks. And it was a perfect opportunity because the PGA show is about the golf industry. For episode three, we decided to get out of the studio to cover Women's Golf Day. I've had the pleasure of interviewing Elisa Godet, the founder of Women's Golf Day, last year on an episode, but this time we did things a little bit differently. Here in Vancouver, where I live, I decided to spend the evening at Fraserview Golf Course to speak to some of the over 100 women participating to get their impression of the women's golf movement that Elisa is helping create. Now in its third year, Women's Golf Day is a four-hour event that happens globally that takes place on the first Tuesday of June, with over 1,000 facilities and over 30,000 women participating worldwide. 
To get some context, we started the episode with a conversation with Elisa. Love to hear how you've been, what's gone on in the last year. And also, thank you for being a panelist on my Golf Disruptors panel at the PGA Show. Your insights were incredible and people really enjoyed us. So great to see you again. How are you? I'm great. Great to see you as well. So let us know what's going to go on this year for Women's Golf Day and what excites you the most about 2018. What excites me the most is we're really seeing that the industry has gotten behind this. We're written up on a report that the RNA did, as well as golf course owners and in Canada as well, the golf course owners in Europe and around the world with the federations and everything else. So I think we've got a good trend going and the numbers will hopefully have as many as we did last year and we'll just see. The most important thing is that we're getting as many women as possible involved and we're bringing awareness. And I've noticed that your ambassadors and influencers that you have and your supporters has grown tremendously since last year. So your message is getting out there. And I love this. I was just talking to someone else in a podcast episode and using you as a great example about this idea of the power of why. There's a, a guy named Simon Siddick. I don't know if you know Simon Siddick with the power of why in his TEDx talk, this YouTube video that talks about it's not what we do, but why we do it. I give this example of what you've created in only a couple of years with only one employee and the rest is volunteer based. So I have to congratulate you. I'm so proud of what you've done over the last couple of years and continue to grow with this. So what is, so our listeners can understand that haven't had a chance to listen to our previous podcast episode, which hopefully they will. What do you consider your purpose and your why with Women's Golf Day? We were just frustrated. It seems like there was fragmentation in the marketplace and this seemed like an idea to just have a light fun, easy, because I think it's like golf can be intimidating to a lot of people, especially women. Women, you know, you take the data, they like to go in packs or groups and just make it light and easy, at least for the first time getting in or, or to have some celebratory component to it. And it seemed to work well. Like anything, you, you can only put it out there. The market has to react and it did react favorably. So we knew we were on to something and we kind of just ran with it. And that's what we've been doing. And we'll keep tweaking it and trying to make it the best possible experience that it can be. What really excites me most about Women's Golf Day is the potential they have over the next couple of years to really scale this up. What Elisa has done with Women's Golf Day in the business world is called a Blue Ocean Strategy, where they've created a new market space and unlocked new customers, in this case, women, that have never looked at golf before as something that aligns with their lifestyle. I had the opportunity to write a blog post for Blue Ocean Strategy a couple weeks ago called Turning Green Fairways into Blue Oceans, where I talk about how golf industry innovators are creating new markets and demand. I include five case studies from the golf industry, all of which have been guests on previous episodes, including Women's Golf Day. If you want to give that a quick read, I've pinned that tweet on the top of our Twitter homepage. Our Twitter handle again is at ModGolfPodcast. And while you're there, give us a follow. Next up is Jennifer Poth who is the founder and the CEO of Operation Military Support Golf. I had the opportunity of meeting Jennifer at National Golf Day in Washington, DC. We are making changes on an active military base. Because of that, we are giving back and providing for our active duty. And I gotta say that is one of the most exciting and unique parts of OSG is it's also giving back to retirees, veterans, recovering warriors. They're getting used to different lifestyles with different abilities and the families. But the part of giving back to active duty, that takes a lot of, I call it patience and persistence. That's one of my, one of my other mottos, but it's so very, very rewarding. It's a group of individuals who never come across one that bangs their fists and demands a bunch of stuff, but the looks on their faces of appreciation and knowing what's coming down the pipe to their base, it's really exciting. 
I look forward to following up with Jennifer very soon to get an update on the first military golf course that they have revitalized. For episode five, I spoke with Jay Karen, who is the CEO of the National Golf Course Owners Association, or NGCOA. I also met Jay at National Golf Day, and I was drawn in by his passion to innovate and advocate for the growth and transformation of the golf industry. That's the nature of our beast. The watchwords of our industry are tradition and rules. That's so ingrained in so many people's minds as far as the golf experience needs to be this way because that's the way it's, it's written in the rule book or that's the way it's been done forever. The ironic thing is that because it's such a conservative industry that if you were to be one of those innovators or early adopters, then this is fertile ground to do that and get attention for doing that. Not everybody's clamoring to do these things. So if you're the one to offer new technology at your golf course, word will get around. You'll basically get to steal all the attention for doing these progressive things because not everybody is trying to do progressive things. But that's our job at NGCOA is to try to stoke the fires of interest of being progressive, trying new things. And actually, that's the nice thing about being a golf course operator and running a small business is that you could try something for a season. If it works, great. If it doesn't, don't do it again. You're not a large corporation that has to go through two years of due diligence before you launch something, and then you have to stick to it for a certain number of months or years before you can back out of it. Being nimble is great value and asset of being a small business operator. So we're hoping to change people's minds and attitudes towards innovation so that they have the confidence, the wherewithal to try it more than they might have 15 years ago. Episode six was with Amy Cho, who is a YouTube instructor and social media influencer with her YouTube channel, Golf with Amy. Amy is one of the most energetic, resilient, and passionate entrepreneurs that I've met. In fact, I met her back in January at the PGA show at Demo Day, where she was promoting her business. So when you're competing, golf is such a sensitive game, a little change of momentum can actually make things go really well or really bad, really fast. So as a player, it's really hard to break your focus and be all entertaining. That's why we see all these PGA Tour players, LPGA Tour players with a poker face and they look so serious all the times. They're just trying to do their job. I totally understand that side. But then there's that fun side we need for recreational golfers too, the entertainment side. So that has been always like the dilemma with golf, right? Keeping it fun, but then they also have to perform. If they don't make putts, we're not going to watch as much, right? Because it's not as exciting. But I think right now, everything's kind of rolling slowly. There's more players with cooler personalities, dressing nicer. They interact with the fans a lot better and it's getting a lot more fun. So I think we're going the right way. I just think we need more personalities, like hopefully including myself, to really make that bridge between recreational golfers and serious golf connect and make it fun, make it a fun experience to watch golf want to go to the golf tournaments because golf is such an exciting game when you play but you also have to be so serious at the same time i really think we can make it a lot more fun and really so everybody can experience how amazing of a game it is for episode seven we got back out on the road where i traveled to seattle for the special olympics usa games golf event of all the episodes i've done on the mod golf podcast i have to say this is probably the most heartfelt and emotional episode that i've created so far The sense of joy and positivity from the players, the families, and the volunteers at this event was unlike anything I've ever seen. So I encourage you to give this one a listen because it really is great. For me, I always tell everyone at work, I think they don't realize that when I come here that I'm working, they all realize that I'm actually having fun. But I think to me, I call it my non-paying fun job because it teaches you and puts everything in perspective that they appreciate the simple things. So one of our goals this week was to tell all the athletes, smile, and then think of something bad. 
and they couldn't do it. And one of the athletes, it was amazing, she kept saying, she was, I can't stop smiling. And that's all I needed. But it's about these athletes and their experience. And we wanted to make sure they had a great experience, and I think that they did. The three days I spent in Seattle recording this episode gave me a fresh perspective on what's really important in life. And I would be honored if they gave me another invitation to cover this event four years from now. Next up in episode eight, I talked to another influencer and innovator within the golf industry, and that is Red Evans, who's the CEO of the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America, or GCSAA. Lots of individuals that just simply don't understand the science that goes into managing a golf course. And so oftentimes we'll find the general public or a city council member or a county commissioner who wants to create a nutrient band across their county or their city and they don't really understand the science behind it. And so they just do a blanket statement, nutrients shall not be used on this day or this day or this way or this way. And they really have not a lot of scientific background on that particular issue. But because we in golf have created best management practices around our use of nutrients, they've been able to share that with those officials and the fact that they were very transparent in developing those and had government officials involved in that process. They realized, wow, we have an industry here that is actually progressive, that is doing the right things. And so we are going to exempt golf from this particular nutrient ban because they're doing this, this, and this correctly. And so it allows us to have a license, if you will, to continue to operate in the most sustainable and environmentally friendly way. And so if we can do that in all 50 states, as it relates to all these different areas of focus, water in particular, I think golf's going to definitely be more sustainable going into the future. That's why this project is so important, so innovative and really needed. I had the pleasure of meeting Michael Breed at a speaking engagement where he was the keynote speaker. And after hearing his emotional and inspirational talk, I just had to see if Michael would want to be a guest on the Mod Golf Podcast. After more than four months of back and forth, in an attempt to coordinate with his very hectic schedule, Michael finally had the time to record our interview. Michael shares with us not only his entrepreneurial journey, but the challenges and struggles that he's faced and how he has embraced resilience and gratitude to shape his approach to golf and to life. Sitting there and watching myself is not a comfortable thing for me to do. And what I realized at that point was, is that I'm a flawed human being like every single person. I stutter at times. I don't use proper English at times. I'm dyslexic. I'm ADD. And I hit bad shots. And if people don't like me for that, I'm okay with that. But what I'm going to be is I'm going to be genuine. I'm going to be what I am. I'm going to fail and I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to say things and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to embrace all of them. And as long as my mistakes don't harm anybody, all they may do is harm me. I'm okay with that. And what I found was that everybody else was the exact same way. And people reached out and they said to me, you know, what we love is that you're just an approachable, down-to-earth, normal guy who just happens to be teaching golf on television. And that's really the way I approach it. In episode 10, I had the chance to catch up with two more female founders, Tammy Fujii and Diane Sulish, who are the co-founders of Kinona Women's Golf Apparel. For most women, golf is a very, very social sport. Most of us are not single-digit indexes or handicaps. Most women that are playing are clearly doing it for the friendships, the companionships, for the social aspect. We're not asking each other, what is your handicap? We're asking each other, how are your kids? How are your parents? How are you doing? 
And those are the types of conversations that happen amongst women golfing. And we want to just help enable that. And if we can do that through Kinona and the products that we carry, we do think that there's huge opportunity in terms of the styling and just for women to have very easy care, comfortable, stylish golf clothes. It should be table stakes. And we found that it's really not. And so we're trying to get to that point where women can feel really great in the clothes that they wear and not feel like it's a complete struggle to find a great looking outfit. In episode 11, we managed to hit our goal, which was to showcase women in at least half of our episodes. I had the pleasure of connecting with Donna Hoffman, founder and president of Women On Course, through the LPGA Women's Network, as she was celebrated as one of the top disruptors within the golf industry. So you have to start with one, two, or three women. If you treat them like gold, they will tell everybody, they will bring more friends, they'll become more invested in the game and the lifestyle. In fact, we just did a survey of our membership and the second reason that women come to Women On Course is to increase their social and business networks. I would have guessed it would have been organized events. The number one reason was obvious. We're coming here to learn the game or to meet other women golfers. But that connecting with each other is probably the core of why people do this. And because you're doing an activity, it's very different than a networking event where you shake hands, hand a business card. What do you do? You're actually watching someone try something or do something that's a little humbling. And you kind of break down those walls a little faster and get to know someone quicker. And finally, episode 12 took us back out on the road to Las Vegas for the PGA Fashion and Demo Experience. I was going there as a speaker as part of their educational series, but I figured, but while I'm there, let's find the most innovative companies on the show floor. The entrepreneurs and innovators you'll hear in this episode range from scrappy startups to established industry players. And even as a phys ed teacher, I would wear those swishy nylon pants that I'd roll the waistband down about four times till I looked like I was wearing a trash bag. So frustrated. I, I kept thinking, this is common sense. And women, it's like crack. So if you get a pair of my pants on, what other color does it come in? Like, holy shit, I have an ass. This looks awesome. You know? <laughs> and please, dear God, put some rear pockets on it so you can't see my cellulite through my pants. And then, you know what? Why don't we set those pockets low, tilt them in, so my ass looks higher and narrower and everything we do from rear darts in the shirts to the shirt tail of the shirt if you untuck to make your leg look longer is to make you feel and look your best. You want to look thinner. Just let me look thinner. I'm an athlete. I don't want to fuss. I don't want to tuck and retuck so a shirt tail stays tucked in. I want an armhole that I don't have to keep pulling to cover that armpit ass that's coming out. I, I need a lot of pockets and I walk when I golf, right? Sometimes I would put clothes on and think, who fit this and went, yep, good, go to production. Yeah, and I know nothing about apparel. I couldn't hem a pair of pants. I didn't know a knit from a woven. I just knew what I wanted in a fit. So there you have it. 12 unique, diverse and compelling stories over the course of season four of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed these sound bites that I provided here so that you'll now go back and listen to a couple or all of the previous episodes. You can find all of our episodes on our show website, www.mod.golf. And if iTunes or Spotify is your preferred podcast delivery system, you can find us there too. Over the last few weeks, we've been developing Season 5, which will be an expanded follow-up conversation with Joanne Cloak, founder and CEO of JoeFit, 
I also want to welcome back Golf Tech as our title sponsor in British Columbia Golf, NextLinks, and Fairway IQ as our supporting partners. Having like-minded, innovative organizations like them allow the Mod Golf Podcast to happen. We are very proud to state that we met our personal goal to have women on at least half of our Season 4 episodes. We managed to achieve this goal just as our friends at We Are Golf and the LPGA Women's Network announced their Invite Her hashtag campaign to introduce new women to the game of golf. We will continue to tell golf startup and innovation stories from a women's perspective as the golf industry starts to unlock the underserved female market segment and the massive business potential it holds. Lastly, I would love to hear from you, our mod golfers, to learn what you would like us to do more and perhaps do a little bit less of. Who would you like me to interview on the Mod Golf Podcast? Or what golf innovation topics would you like me to cover? You can contact me through the host page on our website or email me directly at colin at modgolfpodcast.com. That's Colin with one L. My goal is to constantly improve and learn with each episode that we produce, so your feedback is critical for that to happen. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for listening, and please join us for Season 5. Bye for now.